There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Well, Neve, uh, thank you for joining me on The Score. Uh, it's a hugely important few weeks coming up for Cork City Football Club, both on and off the pitch. And it's uh, fair to say that it's been a very tough 12 months for various reasons. We know, uh, Neve, that Forrest has uh, brought success in the past, but uh, is currently struggling under financial constraints that has led the club to the brink of selling out. Uh, do you believe that Forrest uh, can run the club into a surplus-making situation again and that Forrest is the right way forward? Thanks for, for having me on, Trevor. And I'd say a huge emphatic yes, you know. And in the last couple of weeks, of, as we've discussed around a potential offer from Govemore and potential meetings and calls and stuff, I've been thinking back to, to that meeting in Prez that we had in, in 2009, where we had the choice of going it alone as a supporters trust and going alone with two businessmen in the city. And the discussion in the room that day was, you know, we're supporters, we don't know how to run a football club. And it's interesting to me that that's the kind of rhetoric that's coming back out because for the past 10 years, Forest has been running a football club. It has guided Cork City out of the first division. It has guided Cork City through a recession. We've seen the most successful season we've ever had as a football club on the field in 2017, the anniversary of which was actually just yesterday. Mm. Um, and when, when you talk about supporters, I think there's this kind of collective noun. But if you take people's colours off, and I mean their football colours, they're actually really skilled individuals with lots of experience in different workplaces, different industries. Um, and I think... You know, it has to be borne in mind that the League of Ireland is quite a difficult um, environment to operate in and has been for some time. And with changes in the FEI that are currently going on, new League of Ireland department developing, talks of an all-island league, I think it has to be borne uh, in mind to people that Forest has been operating in a very difficult and challenging environment. But the positive signs are there. We've learned an awful lot. doesn't mean we've got everything right. But actually having a club that's sustainable and you know founded in the community and open and inviting to get everybody in that's the sort of club we want here in Cork City. Mm. Uh, why do you think Neil, so many League of Ireland clubs have uh, have uh, fan ownership where it's clear to see that you know clubs are constantly struggling to survive uh, you know um, you've done a lot of work and research in this area is the fan ownership model fit for purpose yeah, I, I think that you believe it is. Yeah, no, I, I would say it is. And I suppose the things I would point to, I was fortunate enough to work for an organisation that looks at fan ownership and cooperation and as, as 
as it's termed in Europe, community ownership um, for two years. Um, and I had the opportunity to travel around and see other uh, countries and what they're doing in action. And mm. lots of people look at Germany and they talk about Sweden. We look at the UK and there's, there's clubs there that are growing. And it comes back to this. And people quite often would ask, why do you have so many member-owned clubs or fan-owned clubs in Ireland? And the reason is quite simple. We've never had that interest from the business community to take over a League of Ireland club for the simple reason there's no real way to make money. So then you're kind of looking at the motivation and going, mm. well, why are an investment fund buying into a League of Ireland club? Like, what's their motivation? Whereas when you look at a fan-owned club, the motivation is quite clear. Um, the original main principle of Forest was to ensure there was League of Ireland football in Cork, and it was as simple as that. Um, and when you look at the fact that the cooperative model is an NGO, it's not for profit. I sat in a meeting with Clannacilty Food Company quite a number of years ago when I was on the board of management. And they told us afterwards that the thing that impressed them most is that the people who spoke to them in the room that day would be the people helping out on match night, that they would be the same group. And, you know, one of the reasons we were fortunate enough to get UCC on board was because we do prioritise education, because we do research, because we had European funding to look at governance, and because of all these kind of multi-stranded reasons and not just a football club to make money. And that is why the, the community-owned element, particularly now with COVID coming in, is finding a, a renewed interest because football clubs are precious, Trevor. They can mm. make a massive difference to the to the local communities. They can, you know, and I suppose the man that comes to mind is John Kennedy. He was the yeah. most the best example of, of what Cork City could do because he saw the potential of the football club. You bring people in and the community will look after you. So despite the tough times we've had recently, I fundamentally believe that not only is a community approach needed to continue a Cork City, but it's the best approach to ensure that we always have League of Ireland football in Cork because that will be the, peoples of, the people of Cork will want that. If yeah. anyone else comes in and they're not local, we don't know what they want. Yeah, I was going to get to that actually because uh, if if uh, on the community, if you do sell, um, the decision making will be kind of gone for you, won't it? And you you question what role the community would have. Uh, you know, if the club is sold, what what would you see the role for Forest then? What type of role? Yeah, and like that's you see, it's a very interesting question because I think people can take fan ownership a little bit for granted. We've had it for ten years in Cork, and what does it mean? It means we have the right at least twice a year to attend a meeting to ask questions of the board and staff, to see the accounts, to put forward motions and to sort of uh, make it clear what we want to see from the football club. That's what fan ownership is. There's kind of an impression that it means limited finances. But actually what you're saying is you have to run your club properly and it has to be financially stable because you've no sugar daddy to cover the costs. The problems with sugar daddies is they can walk away and that's the inherent risk you have of private ownership. Now, one thing I suppose that we do know, and we, we don't know the details, and, and it will emerge next week and in the coming weeks, but we do know that it's proposed that this is an asset transfer. So Forest is always going to exist. It's going to continue to exist. Um, it is there as its primary objective to ensure that we always have League of Ireland football club, football in, in the city and county. But I think Forest has much more, it has grown much more in the sense that it's been linked with incredible community work led by Eric and Uhuma behind the scenes. 
um, you know, that th- those education links in the sense of the academy and encouraging sponsors or scholarships up to UCC. And Forest has also become known as this NGO, this this entity that is into, you know, the, the work that's been done with uh, Focus Ireland. We've worked at many charities in the past, Marymount fundraising, and that's the sort of entity that the club can be. And when it does have those connections, it means that people will actually you know, recognise the impact that the football club can have as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Niamh, what do you see, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the, st- the strategic plan? What what do the club want? There seems to be a divide in terms of what people want. Is that fair to say? What, what would you like to see as the strategic plan? I think the most important thing that happens in the next two weeks is that people discuss this and, and go through the, I suppose, the, the, the pros and cons of whatever might be presented to us. In terms of a long-term future, um, part of what uh, the Advisory Council, uh, which was founded uh, by a motion three years ago, they've been looking at, you know, how Forest can actually come back and uh, assess how well it has done in the last couple of years and kind of point to what needs to change to make sure that we keep up with everything. And I think that's very important. And we do see that happening across the league, and I think that's a very important point to make. So we saw in September, for instance... Sligo Rovers secured leader funding so they could assess everything Mm. to do with the club on and off the field. And then we can look at the likes of Shamrock Rovers. When they last won the League of Ireland title, the expectation was they were going to dominate Mm. Irish football for a long time to come. When actually what we saw is they kind of got bogged down a little bit and they took a moment, reorged themselves off the field. And that reorganisation is still ongoing. And the other one I'd point to as well, Trevor, is Bohemians, who very, very nearly went out of football um, 10, 11 years ago. And Mm. they were a member-owned club for 130 years. And it was just a case of taking a deep breath, pausing and going, right, we need to do something different. And now they've made a profit eight years running and look at the success that they've done. Now, they've won nothing but they've taken these incremental steps year on year. And that's where Forrest needs to look and go, right, who are we? What do we want? Mm. And what? How do we kind of bring everyone together around, you know, like the Cork City ethos? Because, like, we're from Cork. We're incredibly proud of our city and county. Mm. And I do think if we're united, we can achieve anything. Yeah, and uh, COVID-19, uh, we have to discuss, Niamh, as well. Um, is a big uh, is a big problem. No guarantees that supporters will be back anytime soon at the at the grounds. City had the biggest gates, as we know, in League of Ireland uh, had so for a long time. So serious financial challenges uh, for for investors as well, wouldn't it be? Yeah, and I, I think you know, you know, I think it's fair to say that we're in a very challenging position um, mm. in the league currently. Now, we'll always hope for supporters, and we'll always support the the work of Colin Healy and the the team and and everyone else, the the staff and the board around them. But the reality is, um, you know, I think we have yet to see the full impact of COVID-19, either on Irish football or society. Mm. Um, Forrest helped to set up the Irish Supporters Network, which would be uh, an entity that lobbies on behalf of League of Ireland supporters. And Irish Supporters Network has been feeding in with the FAI to try and get a sense of when supporters might be back in the grounds. You know, we we look at the, at the moment in level three. There is no supporters. There was talk of it going up to five hundred, but when you look at the sort of plans for the future with COVID, there's no indication that we're going to have 
what I would term open gates so that everybody can get in if they'd like to next season. And that's going to be a massive challenge for Cork City, no matter who is in charge. And I think it's really important that the supporters and people of Cork realise that we have to support our club and we're going to have to get behind it next year in whatever guise or whatever division or whatever way it is there. Um, and, you know, COVID-19 is, an, and the word is used a lot, but it's just an unprecedented challenge that it's impossible to make long-term plans for. Um, but it is going to... You can see the sort of effects it's having on football in the UK originally. It's going to have a devastating effect on the League of Ireland and we're going to have to work together to try and get through it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I suppose, uh, Niamh, you know, we're all Cork City fans and we all uh, want the best. Um, we're all hurting uh, at the moment, not just, uh, you know, the, the Forest members, but, uh, you know, the, the thousands of City fans who packed the Aviva not so long ago and saw us capture the uh, League and Cup double, uh, now staring relegation in the face. It is. And, and, you know, funny, when you look back at everything we've been through in the past 10 years, not all of it has been easy. A lot of it has been really great. But it, it, it meant so much more when, when results like that were achieved, when you had a, a collective of supporters behind it. Um, and that is the power that sort of drives fan-owned clubs. We see that they have higher volunteer numbers. We see that there's a social element. Um, we see that it can bring, when, when the club, you know, those four cup finals in a row at the Aviva Stadium, it captured the city in a way that it probably hasn't seen in a long time. So we know that, you know, there's a massive football following soccer interest in Cork. And it is about tapping into that and making sure that people realise that this club belongs to them. In, under the current rules, Forest is something that they can get involved in. They can come along to meetings. They can hear and see what's going on. They can put themselves forward for election to the board of management. Because, you know, if you think about what you need to run a football club, you need someone who's good at money, you know, as in a treasurer. You need someone who's good at leadership, someone who's good at infrastructure. We have all those skills and experience within our supporters base. We have amazing people in the business community in Cork City that understand how important a football club can be. And we know that the people of Cork love their sport and will hopefully get behind, you know, a club that they can legitimately say is their football club. And that's what we're looking to keep some Mm. of us here um, in the coming weeks. Yeah, you know, it's inevitable as well that, you know, when you're around the place in Cork, uh, people stop you and talk about soccer, Niamh. And a lot of people said to me, you know, Trevor, it's uh, Cork soccer seems to have a history of this, of repeating itself, you know, big ups followed by big downs. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. And I think when you look at the number of clubs in Cork that Cork has had over the years in the League of Ireland, it is it is a big challenge that all of the clubs probably um, have faced. And, and I suppose there's a couple of things I'd say to that. Cork City is actually the, the club longest in existence of all the Cork clubs, as we know, who've been involved mm. in the League of Ireland. But as a, I remember hearing a football academic in the UK, uh, John Beach, and he made the point that you can run your club as well as possible and in a sustainable fashion. But if you're operating in a league that's unsustainable and isn't being run properly, no matter how well you do your work, you're always going to struggle. And I think it's important for people to realise that. The reason the League of Ireland was considered the most competitive in Europe for years is that it had different league winners. But as we know, the reason it had so many different league winners is that a club would do well and not be able to sustain that. Um, success on the field and that's not just Cork City we've seen it with Shamrock Rovers we've seen it even to a degree with Dundalk already we've seen it with the likes of Drogheda United and all the different winners that we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years 
But like, I suppose the hope has to be that with the new, the new FAI, with changes in terms of governance there, you know, with a new CEO, with a new League of Ireland department, that we will have a chance to exist in a more sustainable league environment. Now, will that be perfect next season? Absolutely not. But mm. I think if we look at football in general, you know, the clubs that have built their success and their foundations over years and years and years are the ones that tend to be more um, solid in terms of foundations. If someone comes in, pours money into you and you have two or three years of success and then, you know, we're kind of saying, all right, we're, we're done now. Or, you know, we haven't we haven't got our 20 to 30 million euro bid for the Aviva accepted. So we're just going to walk away and they can do that. So the only ones that are there you know, all the time are the supporters. And that's why coming back to fan ownership, if we want um if we want to to make sure that we have a club in this city, a club that operates the way that, you know, the people of Cork are proud of, well then we do need to retain our say and our voice in that. And that's what Forrest brings to the equation. Yeah, um, and I know that, uh, you know, City fans don't want to talk about the dreaded word, relegation, but uh, an absolutely huge game now in the other way to Sligo Rovers next week. Yeah, and I, I suppose it's been hugely difficult to, for me personally, I don't enjoy watching the games on uh, streamed at all. Um, I was mm. someone who loves going to the games yes. and I love the buzz of walking up to turn this cross, particularly kind of in the, the start and end of the season when it's dark and the floodlights mm, are on. Mm. Um, my dad grew up on Derrynan Road next to turn this cross. So we were taken down there as smallies and, you know, we've always, we've back early, early days, like we flirted with relegation and obviously um, we did end up in the first division in 2010 but we survived it, and and that forest board, um, and I'm biased. There was part of it, but like the, the one of the most successful things it did was actually just stabilise the situation back in 2010. And our objective was to get to the end of that season having paid our bills, which was a very small objective. But it was also during one of the worst recessions the country has ever seen, and it was it was for a process of starting all over again, and and really, you know, having a you know almost a brand new team. So do do I fear what might be ahead? You know, as a supporter, I'm absolutely gutted because we are the biggest club in Ireland. We are the best club in Ireland. We have the most potential, I think, in this league because mm. we can really capture a city and county. Mm. Um, I, Jesus, I don't want to get relegated, but I also know that we have the resilience and the skills and the resources to survive this and, and to thrive again in the not-so-distant future. Okay, um, just finally, Niamh, um, you know, your, your thoughts on, on this important meeting coming up next uh, week, 10 days' time, in fact. Uh, you know, what's your wish going into this? Are you open-minded about it or what's, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the most important thing, and, you know, with a few of us that have been working on a couple of things around the advisory council and sort of a, a, a kind of a, a way forward for Forest as a supporters' trust, I think the most important thing is that we have a really good and respectful debate about whatever comes out, mm. that we are allowed an open dialogue, that we get um, all of the information that we would like to receive and that we can make and have a very clear decision in, in front of everybody. I think that's the main objective. For me personally, nobody can run your football club except the locals on your doorstep. And I've said that in so many countries. And you can see it with, with some of the owners that come into Irish football, including, say, the owners of Dundalk. 
nobody can run Cork City and nobody knows like Cork City, like the supporters of Cork City. So for me, my decision is to put my faith in the, the cooperative model that has served the club so well for the last 10 years, but also to, to really do my best to try and see that we can um, tweak it and future-proof it and make it an even better forest and more robust, more resilient forest going forward. Well, great to have your thoughts on the score with us uh, on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, thanks a million, Niamh, and uh, fingers crossed that things will go well over the next uh, few weeks. Thank you very much. Well, Pat, thank you for joining me uh, on the programme this afternoon. Usually important few weeks uh, for Cork City Football Club as they're fighting for their lives to stay in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland and a usually important meeting coming up in around 10 days as well. Uh, do you think it's a good idea for Forrest to sell the club now, Pat? Well, at the minute, Trevor, the thing is, I don't really know because I'm. All I can do is speculate on what the proposal in selling the club would be because uh, I don't have any detail on what it is. So I think without that detail, it's very difficult for anybody to vote to sell the club because we don't know what the ramifications of that would be. Who would benefit, do you think, Pat, like from from the sale uh, of the club if it goes ahead? Well, again, Trevor, that depends on the agreement and the intentions of the uh, purchaser, I suppose, what his intentions are. Um, Will we continue to be a community club? Will we continue to be competitive? Um, You know, there are loads of questions out there that need to be answered, Trevor, and we need to have some kind of guarantee that, you know, we're going the way that forest was set up to go. Like, it would be important if we could to have some forest representation on any board that takes over from forest. Mm. Um, we don't want to talk about the dreaded word um, relegation, but it's a, a real possibility now, Pat. Um, you know, if, if City do go into the first division, what would it mean for the club? Uh, we have been in the first division before. We weren't relegated on the field of play, but we have been there before. Yeah, well... First of all, Trevor, I thought last night we played well. What I saw of it, mm. this Watch League of Ireland kept hopping in and out. It was disastrous coverage. But I think Colin has brought some steel to them. They played well. And I think we deserved to win that game last night. But mm. unfortunately, that's not the way it went. So should we go into the first division? It will probably be very similar to when last we were there, 2010, 2011. Um, like it's very difficult to keep the interests of people, to get the coverage, to get the right sponsors. Um, you need people who are devoted and who are committed to the club in the same way that the Forest members are in order to come out of it again. Mm. I want to ask you about the Glamire project, Pat, because I know you were heavily involved in the project when you were uh, chairman. Um, you know, Cork football, as we know, has never in its history had, uh, you know, a permanent home. So Glanmire is is vital importance to Cork and Munster. We never had a real training base. I believe it's shovel ready and waiting on an FAI check. But is is there still hope uh, of the project going ahead, Pat? There very much so, um, Trevor. I mean, at the minute, the lease agreement was signed. It's agreed between the FAI and Cork County Council. And for us, as Cork, Cork City Football Club will be the anchor tenant. All of that is written, in, written into the lease agreement, which is a 99-year sports agreement at a nominal rent. 
Planning Commission was secured on the 4th of July 2016. And the government has committed something around 2.3 million in funding towards phase one of the project. And phase one of the project could be completed in 12 months, Trevor. So it's, as you said, it's shovel ready. We're rearing to go. Um, It's crucial really to Munster, but to Cork City particularly. And I think that's been the history of football in Cork since the 1920s. No club has ever had a base or a home of its own. And that could be the reason why they all went out of business, you know, after a short period. Like under Forest, one thing we must remember is that Cork City Football Club is the most successful of any of the Cork football clubs that existed. And that's down to fans' ownership, supporter ownership, through the Forest model. We were the most successful club on the pitch. We had great sponsors, lots of community involvement through our friend John Kennedy. And um, like everything was good about that model. The previous model, privately owned, failed several times in several clubs, Cork in Dublin, all over the country. And I think we can be justifiably proud of what Forrest achieved. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's inevitable as well with soccer people. You meet Pat, um, you know, who's saying the likes of, you know, it was John Delaney who was pushing this project when he was CEO of the FEI. And some people are saying that, uh, you know, was it just a pipe dream? Well, I mean, you could say the same about the Aviva, Trevor. But the, the aim, the stated aim of the FEI is to have regional centres of excellence around the country. They already have one in Abbottstown. The intention was to have the next one in Cork and Munster, another one up around Sligo Mayo. And like if they had that in place for the sport that has the greatest number of participants in this country, it would move us on to the next level. I think it would be a fantastic idea mm. and something that's well worth fighting for. Okay, And well. that's a concern of mine, that if there is a takeover of Forest and Cork City, what happens to that? We've put years of work into this, Trevor, and it would be an awful plea to lose all the goodwill, the political support, and the, the knowledge that we gained from doing that. Mm. Well, it was uh, great having you on uh, the score this afternoon, Pat. Thanks for coming on, and you might keep us posted uh, you know, with developments in, in, in that area for us as well. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Trevor. Take care. Well, Sonia, uh, thanks for joining me on the programme. Um, what do you think will be the likely outcome of the meeting later this month, or is it too difficult to tell at this stage? And, you know, what would you like to see happening? Um, yeah, look, I suppose it is, it's difficult to tell uh, in a lot of ways, but um, personally, I haven't seen or heard anything from um, the Grovemore side of this uh, the situation. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if, you, if we don't know anything, then we've then we vote no. That's 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 the way I'd be thinking about it. You know, we haven't seen any proposal or presentation or any um, any information at all about what potentially the takeover would mean. So, uh, if if I don't know what they plan to do with the club if they take over, or if what their intentions are for want of a better term, then uh, I wouldn't be at all comfortable with with that situation. Mm. Over five hundred members at the moment is it in force. You know, well, what percentage of a vote Sonia is needed to get a, a decision? That this 50 plus 1 is my understanding at the moment, Trevor. Mm. 
just over 50%, obviously. But we, you know, we, we, there was an understanding there that we'd have a lot of information before this vote would happen. Um, we expected, I don't, uh, some sort of proposal. I mean, obviously we're voting on this sale option agreement. Um, but like, if there's a, if there's, if there's a takeover coming with that, obviously to follow on to see if they are going to take over, then we would need to know, as far as I'm concerned, what their plans would be. I mean, at the moment, if we're going to be very open about it, we don't know whether they're not they're going to apply for a li- if they did take over. I'm saying, it, would they apply for a license next year? Would they see out COVID? Would they just would they not do anything until that situation improves? Improves? Would they make wholesale changes? Would they decide to sell it on to somebody else? Would they flip it over? I mean, it's 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 nothing to them at the moment because they're they're only going to be paying a, a euro for it, you know. So. Mm. Um, I mean, if I asked you to sell me your house for a euro, would you do it? Or would you at least want to know what I was going to do with your house yeah, for it? 100%, yeah. But has Preston's interest waned at all? Or, or is their interest as strong as ever, do you know, uh, Sonia? I wouldn't know, to be honest, Trevor. I mean, we we obviously, we're, we, our information is coming from the board. They're trying to keep us as updated as they can uh, with the situation. But after that, I don't really know anything about what their um, what their interest is or their intentions are. Someone mentioned to me recently there, uh, I don't know how true this is, but uh, that if Preston do take over, the club could be called uh, Cork North End. <laughs> Have you heard that? Uh, no, I haven't heard that. But I, I suppose I suppose the, the point that person's probably making is 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 that we we have no idea what's going to happen. So it's a possibility. I mean, it might seem like a, a you know, a, bit, a little bit out there. But I think the point is, we if we don't if we don't have any information about what they're going to do or what their plans are, then nothing is off the table. We have no idea what they're going mm. to do. Yeah. Um, and as well, you know, as, as well as that, there's, there's always, um, you know, there's, we're a little bit, I mean, I suppose we're a little bit cautious as well because of things that have happened to us in the past. And mm. it's, it's not always about how much money somebody has. It's, it's how much, uh, it's what they're willing to do with it or what their intentions are or what their, what their ethos is or what they believe in. I mean, we would count ourselves very much firmly as a family club and a community club and, I mean, even on, another, even on a different level from the broad strokes about what their what their basic intentions are, is that going to go? Is that something that's you know going to be forgotten about if this if this happens? You know, it's um, there's a lot at stake and there's a, there's a lot to lose. I think that's important to say. You know, mm. I believe that there's a lot of work going on um, at the moment to improve the forest model as it is, Sonia. Yeah, that's been going on for a long time. Well, to be honest, um, I mean, it was a, it was a vote for the membership to to. Um, to uh, to sort of work away on, on improving the model, the improvements were were are, have been needed since we started in 2010. Everything that that's been discussed at the moment is uh, stuff that we would have you know wanted to implement from the very beginning. But as time goes on, and you know, on the fit on the pitch or on the field stuff that's taken over, then you just get you just brought down a different road all the time, and you you try to get around to the governance issues and the kind of operational functional issues of everything as you go along. But you're kind of just finding moments to be able to do that. You're always kind of, it was your firefighting with everything else as well. But yeah, so at the moment, for about the last eight or nine months, really, there's been um, there's been work just to kind of tighten everything up, uh, to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, as we've always said in the past. We've looked at the, the issues over the last 18 months. I mean, there obviously have been a few of them. And uh, instead of sort of um, kind of talking about them or going over them again, we're just trying to figure out, uh, how we can make sure they don't happen again, and this, you know, it's it's uh, it's very easy to to pinpoint things mistakes that would have happened in the past, and look at how you can just ensure things, um, the the right structures and governance is in place to make sure they don't happen again, and that's kind of what's been happening for probably since January. The whole thing started kind of getting a little bit more um, official, and then we try to uh, 
try to just get like there's about 25 members now at the moment working away on just trying to just to improve everything and we've done there's, there's a lot there's a lot gone into it already we've how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. We've started um, looking at a number of pillars and, as I said, operational stuff, governance and um, community and ethos and all these things that are very important to the club and just how we just how we strengthen it and how we, we make it um, like bulletproof really going forward. Okay, well, great to have your views uh, on the program with us this afternoon, uh, and, uh, Trevor. If you don't, if you don't mind, if I could say one more thing there just before I go mm-hmm. about that, uh, so, something I'd, I'd like to mention about the fan ownership model and one of the reasons that we're really working hard to make to make the best uh, make it the best that it can be. Um, there's a perception out there, I think, that if you're a fans run club, that you don't make mistakes or it has to be perfect. That isn't the case. The beauty of a fans run club is that it's how you react to the problems mm-hmm. or how you react to the mistakes that are made. Um, in the past, if you've had if we've had trouble or serious things have come down the track, it, it has been the case that people have just decided they'd walk away. That's the difference between us and anybody else. We're, we won't do that. We're just trying to make it work as best as we can, and we understand that it's not always going to work. It's a very difficult league, not only to do um, to grow in, mm. but to but to, to to even break even, and because it's underfunded, it's very little prize money, no TV money, um, a sponsorship almost always feels like it's at a certain level a very difficult one to work in so there's always going to be challenges and it's not that you shouldn't have that you won't have those challenges and not to expect those challenges but it's how you react to them and how you make it better and that you use this as a catalyst to improve it to make it better and to um and to to take all of those knocks or all of those issues and say right we know that happened that's not going to happen again and that's the beauty of it and that's why the work is going on in the background to make sure that happens and you know it's it's, it's um it's going really really well at the moment 
and that and that's the case no matter what happens on the 28th of of October you know force will always be here Okay. Um, well, uh, usually important few weeks coming up on and off the pitch for Cork City Football Club and Forest. Uh, thanks for joining us on the programme today, Sonia. Appreciate it. Pleasure, Trev. Well, Pat, thanks for joining me on the programme. You've been a volunteer at the club for over 25 years now, uh, mostly with the community side, I believe, of, of things, uh, where you work with the late and the great John Kennedy. Talk to us about the importance of the role that the community plays in the club. Well, Trevor, from, I suppose from John's point of view, and I mean, I'd be only following on from his leaders, leadership over the years, would have been that um, without the community, you didn't have a club. So you need to have the community around the club, and then that would grow success, because that would bring in supporters, because everybody's speaking about the club going forward, whether it be successful or whether it be bad. But you have a community within the, the city of Cork and within the county of Cork, and things like that, you know? Yeah. What will happen, do you think, to the community side of things uh, if, if the club is taken over? I'd be very honest about it, Trevor. I'm worried because I suppose it's taking 25 years of hard work from volunteers and employees of the club to grow the level of structure that we have for mm. with our existing communities around. I mean, and our communities would extend not just beyond the city of Cork, they go out to the county, they go to Kerry, they go to Tipperary and some parts of Waterford. And, right, we have links to all these places, but nobody seems to know. It's an unknown at the moment where we stand. You know, there's no information coming to what's coming down the tracks of us. Yeah, I was going to come to that, actually. You know, my next question was, are Forest members clear about the long-term plans for the club, do you think? No, and to be very honest about it, I couldn't tell you what the plan of this uh, proposed takeover is, what the long-term is. Uh, for the club because there's no information forthcoming to the members mm. you know um, like I like I know there's a bid on the table but I feel we've put the horse before the cart and that um, surely we the members should be asked um, are we willing to sell the club first and then look for investors afterwards to see who's available and who's out there whereas at the moment we seem to be being asked to vote on a bid that we have no current information on you know and uh, obviously it's important to get across that the unofficial, uh, you know, not seen work, the goodwill uh, that is achieved from talking to the people in the community is so important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, you have volunteers there. I mean, I have volunteers with me since day one. Like, and when I say with me, I would have been there with John since day one when he set up the family enclosure. But I also have families who came in with their own children who know the mum and dad are volunteering with me and they're their siblings are volunteering whether it be with the underage academy whether it be with the women's side of the club or, and even some are volunteering with the seniors you know what I mean and that's that's unpaid work that the club don't ever have to worry about these are guys giving life and soul to the club because they love the club mm. you know yeah, and just finally, Pat. I mean, what do you think is the best way forward for the club? Do you think at the end, of, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all Cork City fans. We all want what's best for Cork City and Forest and Cork Soccer in general. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, from my point of view, is uh, I would all I want is a good, steady football club mm. uh, with a good community emphasis, and just to see a club on a steady footing. I mean, is the club in a bad position? We don't even know that, to be honest with you, because we don't even know where we are as a football club at the moment because we haven't had an AGM. <laughs> so we don't know the extent of what's even... Is there an issue within the club? We don't know. We don't know the state of the finances at the moment. Um, I suppose, to go back to your question, I suppose 
um, from my point of view, the club needs investment. We all know League of Ireland, you're not going to make money out of League of Ireland football. I mean, we've all been through the good days, the bad days. How we go about it, that has to be, there has to be an open and frank discussion about that. Is it a 49, 51% to keep it 51% for us? Probably the better way to go about it is that. But is it an outright takeover? I personally think no, it's not the right way to go because um, we've seen these happen in the past and people walk away when they get bored. Not to say that this guy won't walk away when he gets bored, but it has happened to us. And then where are we going to be? I mean, Forrest will be gone if that happens. And then you're starting again from scratch, whereas you keep Forrest in the background or keep him involved in whatever shape or form, at least it's there to fall back on if there's a situation. Yeah, well, um, a very important uh, few weeks ahead then, both on and off the pitch. And uh, we appreciate you taking time out to join us on the programme today, Pat. Thanks for that. No problem. Thank you, Trevor. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.